0: Welcome to the Home Lab Show, Episode Thirty Four: Unify and Ubiquity Network Gear. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. We picked this as a topic uh, because, flat out, if there's one particular network gear that pops up popularly in the small home lab, it's it's definitely Unify. Now, granted, there's other network gear out there that is really popular, and anything that's budget oriented um, is you know, going to be popular amongst the home lab people because it's affordable. And of course, those of you that are trying to study for Cisco, Hey, buy a Cisco. I'm certainly not telling you not to buy a Cisco. And if you get Cisco certified, you, pretty much the best way to do it i know there's uh simulations and emulators but the best way to do it i think is physically hands-on with the devices but yep. we thought unify is a good topic for today so we'll dive into what you need to get started with unify one of the reasons it's so popular uh, and the fact that it works so well and um, maybe towards the end we'll we'll toss around a couple other brands i don't know if there are going to be ones that we really do a deep dive into before we dive into it though we do need to mention a sponsor show, and that's Linode. We'd love to thank them for sponsoring this. And if you are listening to this, you downloaded it from a podcast, you downloaded it literally from Linode servers. That's where this has been hosted now since the beginning. Uh, Jay maintains all the infrastructure for the back end of the magic that happens here, the servers that run our WordPress site that have all of our podcasts on there. All that yep. was facilitated by some fun scripting Jay put together to get it all set up in Linode. With, uh, what are we running on the back end right now? Is it open Lightspeed still? Yep. Open yeah. light speed, yep. Open light speed and WordPress and all that fun stuff. But we've talked about so many projects on here, and we probably are going to do a topic soon on VPNs. And Linode's one of those places you gotta, a VPN is not something you're going to want to run inside your house. The whole point is to, you know, if you want to mask your public IP and use Linode's public IP, well you're going to need a cloud server and Linode has an offer code down below to get you started with that. So thank them. I thank them again for sponsoring the show and uh, yeah, check out, use the offer code down below if you want to get started or if you just want to play with someone else's servers. Cause you know, you don't always have to put it all in your lab. It's sometimes it needs to be someone else's lab, make it Linode's lab. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right. Unify. So me and Jay both run a lot of Unify gear and I yep. have done, A lot of videos on it, and I have a lot more to do because it just keeps changing. Um, That is the, the good and bad. Uh, For sure, last night we were playing around with the way they changed the interface and the Wi-Fi groups. And sometimes they move things that are interface. But I think that's uh, any company does it. Uh, They they do have a few dumb things and we'll address that. This is not to evangelize them as if they are the solution, but I still think they're a good solution overall. And matter of fact, one of the things that if you work with a lot of varieties of enterprise gear that goes all the way up into the aforementioned Cisco, everything has its quirks. Everything has different things you have to deal with one of the things that's popular now is for companies to give you cloud applications to control their devices, but not give you any real control over whether those applications are something you can control. And, you know, you know, there's been a couple companies like Open Mesh uh, that came out around the same time I remember discovering Unify. And I bring them up, and you may have gone, What's Open Mesh, Tom? That sounds interesting. It sounds like it's some open project. Well, Open Mesh promised you a free cloud to control their devices right up until they got bought by another company, and that cloud went away, and the devices were uh, paid to keep them working or a brick. And this is actually really common in a lot of the enterprise market where all these companies come with subscriptions and this is something actively fought against with the people over at ubiquity and their unified product line is not to offer subscription based services for the controller software. This is like I said, a common enterprise thing, but this is what makes Unify popular in the home lab environment is no subscriptions, probably one of the reasons Jay liked them.
1: Yeah. And for me, it was the only thing that worked. Uh, yeah. It was weird because I had a, um, not this current house I'm living living in now, but um, a previous one where I couldn't even get Wi-Fi down the hallway. Now, now, obviously, there's something in the walls. I mean, let's be honest. that There's probably no other explanation. Um, but for me personally, I just couldn't really get anything working. I bought a $400 router, and that one couldn't do anything I needed it to do. I took that back to the store and bought a $150 um, access point, Unify access point, and the whole house had Wi-Fi. I was like, whoa, I mean, that's a cheaper price. And um, again, we're not trying to evangelize it. I'm not saying everyone should run out to get unified, but um, that was the situation that led me to run it just because, you know, sometimes you just use what works for you and it just happened to work for me.
0: Yeah, they... And they're pretty readily available. They try to sell direct to consumer. Um, There is some angst over the fact that they're no longer sold over Amazon. And that's because they had some real challenges. Um, What people were doing essentially on the back end was you can buy if you're a official reseller or buying in bulk. And sometimes we have bought $100,000 worth of Unify equipment at a time for large scale projects. um, These are sold in bulk packages and created a lot of confusion because you buy them in bulk packaging and you buy them. Uh, I think there's like, I forgot how many in each box and each grouping. So that's like a single sale. What people were doing on Amazon is breaking down these large group sales and selling them individually at different Mm -hmm. markups. This created a confusion because from ubiquity standpoint, they would say we sold it to this reseller. And now that reseller has decided to, break these apart into individual devices so when someone did a warranty it made it a little bit confusing because it wasn't coming from them and it wasn't intended to be sold that way this so they've really moved things a lot to direct sale um i good or bad they've just not really selling them on amazon as much anymore and that's a a big factor that kind of went into what that decision was is telling people basically don't sell it buy direct but that's one advantage you have with them is the fact that you can buy direct now granted supply chain shortage here in 2021 there's limited availability of some devices that's life i don't know what to do about it but that's where we are Yeah, here do i I, that's not a problem i'm here to solve um so if you say but i can't get a hold of insert name of your favorite thing you were looking for i'm sorry i don't know how to solve that problem and neither do a lot of other people we've got cars stacked up everywhere around here in detroit that we can't sell because there's no chips to put in them back to the topic the history of ubiquity is actually a little bit interesting um the ceo and some of the team used to work for apple so they actually have a few previous apple people and if you remember um apple's airport extreme my ext- my understanding is they were some of the internal team that worked on that. But that was, of course, now a discontinued, but was at the time a really good Wi-Fi product from Apple. And they kind of started in that marketplace. and They said, hey, why don't we just rethink and do Wi-Fi differently? And Unify was really good at this, of having a control system and a control plane. We'll get to more how that works later that allows you to have a single point that controls all of the switches. The way this was always handled and still is handled by a lot of these systems is each switch has its own interface on it where you'll log into a web management. Then obviously that when you wanna set 30 switches or 30 different access points is a little bit challenging. Um, this is where you have one central management system. Now, obviously, lots of companies have decided to put that management system in the cloud and then charge you access for it. But Unify says, no, no, we want to let you self-host that controller that manages this. And so they also have a lot of other expertise in Wi-Fi in general. So they have the self-hosted controller that you can download, you can run on Mac, Windows, and Linux. And you can buy it and run it on a controller. But then they also have a few other product lines. And we're going to focus on Unify, but I will mention that they also are really talented at making affordable, very affordable site-to-site devices. Now, this is where there's a split. Some of these site-to-site devices are called the Ubiquity line. Some are the Unify line. Generally speaking, things that are of the Unify brand are the ones that are going to be able to go in the controller. The ones that are of the Edge series have a different controller altogether. Now, these will all play nice to each other, but they won't show up in the same single pane of glass dashboard. And that's why I want to mention, even though they have other products, not every product made under the Ubiquity name does it. It's the subsection of mostly all the Unified devices, and they've got them all categorized under site. Just one of those little things I wanted to mention. And we've used a lot of their. Uh, site-to-site devices. They make all kinds of like, you know, go send your uh, internet connection miles away. Uh, the WISP market likes a lot of their products. So they've got a lot of great, you know projects and we've done some of them uh, i have a video from a few years ago now and it, it's still working it's a beaming across the detroit river we beam internet to um, one of the locations because it, it's on an island and that's how they get connectivity and that's how it works and that we installed that years ago and it still works today so their, their devices are very reliable very solid and they just seem to have a lot of overall expertise in the wi-fi field um, and the edge router equipment is nice it's something more traditionally configured for the way you set it up with each device having a web interface, but then offering a separate central management. Um, I still think the edge stuff's good. And a lot of people really like the edge equipment. Some people like it better because it has a very interactive CLI and Hey, that's great. If you want to get advanced, the edge routers have that and the edge switches have that, but let's swing it back over here to unify, but one more side note of unify video. And I've talked about that. So That's where there's a little bit of controversy, and I'm expecting a few angry comments on this. The first iterations of Unify Video were self-hosted. I thought this was amazing. Finally, a company letting me build my own hardware, giving me the controller for free. It was locked into their cameras, and then I can start building Unify camera systems. We were excited. We built them. Then we started doing more consulting on them, and we realized the same problem that Ubiquity was having. People were complaining about it because they would under spec a machine. They would build a inadequate amount of hardware assembled to run this and it would cause a real problem. So eventually Ubiquiti decided to abandon that whole project and this is where the, the, Anger and the pitchforks came out because people were vested in it. And now they switched it over to the newer um, Unify Protect is what it's called now. But that's their Unified Protect systems, which are a little bit different. So they did have that. And they're still popular among home users. Uh, Jay, what do you think of your Unify Protect system?
1: I really like it. Um, there, there's one thing that annoys me to no end that I'll get into. But um, aside from that one problem... I mean, it's just kind of cool to have all the devices in one interface. Um, Well, technically, it's kind of like two interfaces, because even though it's one controller, there's like two completely different sections for protect and for the network gear. Yes. Um, So I really do like that. I like the fact that the camera is cheap. It's like $29 U S for the one that I use, which is more than enough for me. Um, when I can buy it, which I, I can't buy anymore right now. I've been trying for months. Um, supply shortages, like we were saying, nothing we can do about that. The only thing that um, is kind of annoying is that the when you, when you have to put in the um, second factor code every now and then to get into the interface. I mean, I think that's a good thing because I like that security. But when someone is knocking on my door and I really want to tell them to go away and I can't because I have to put in the code and by the time I get the code and the second factor code in there, they've already walked away. Um, That's a little awkward when someone's at your door and and it just happens to be the time where your your cookie time's out and you have to re-authenticate and everything. (laughs) Um, Aside from that problem, I I really do think it's uh, pretty cool. Yeah,
0: so I I think it's nice that they have that as a um, system. We sold a lot of them. One of the things I will say for the unify system is hands down the like the mobile app and things like that. They, I've had people call them kind of Apple-ish and I'm like, well, yeah, some of the people came from Apple. They have a really nice design aesthetic and it's easy to use. You set the cameras up, they adopt easily. Um, you know, well, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but I think the overall it's not a bad system. It doesn't scale to some of the larger commercial systems, but back to the home lab show here, it seems to be great and popular among the home lab people who go, Hey, I want a doorbell, I want a uh, local recording, and I want a couple cameras around my house, and I don't want it. Send it out to some cloud service that can spy on me or see it, you know, uh, AKA ring and things like that. Uh, Those are the ring spy cams, you know, (laughs) a lot of people are a little uh, upset about that because we found out they will share data with places. So anyways, not to get too off topic. We do the unified is nice, but the unified video doesn't actually tie right into it. So let's get into the actual Unify network gear itself and what you can do with it and why it's so popular. Once you get into the Unify line and you figured out the Unify controller, and the Unify controller, as I said, runs Windows, Mac. Linux and it does not, despite what somebody said in some forum, which is always how conversations start. But someone said in the forum, You have to have it running all the time in order for my unify equipment to work. Nope. Nope. A lot of times people do this. You can spin it up on your laptop and fire it up, go configure your unify equipment and turn the software off. The software is only needed if you want to collect statistics. And when you want to make changes, none of the unified gear itself has any local interfaces for you to push changes to it. It ties all to the controller and then it's where it gets the cues from to make changes or send statistics. The only thing that does actively run on the controller is if you set up a guest Wi-Fi with a captive portal, the captive portal redirection actually does go to the controller. So that does need to be on if you're running a guest Wi-Fi that also needs, at the same time, the captive portal for some type of authentication. That's it. Other than that, you can just turn it off. It doesn't have to run. Now, the advantage of leaving it running. Well, one, statistics, information, whether or not your switches are online. You can go through the history of things. You can also have it gather more data. You can set up syslog. You can set up lots of other features that all pull through the Unify software. You can also go in there. And do little things like, you know, have it set up to have a notification if there's a port change or some type of status change on there. So there's a constant telemetry going back and forth between the controller and you. Now, this kind of brings you back to, you know, do you need uh, the controller hosted locally or do you need it hosted remotely? Oh, and I see someone in the comments. Yes, you can also schedule automatic firmware updates because no one ever wants to do firmware updates, especially when you manage, oh, I don't know, several hundred switches or several hundred access points. You can schedule all the firmware updates with it on as well and push them out automatically. And we set these up for clients all the time. And we even host the controller for a lot of our clients. Now, hosting the controller is something else that makes them an interesting market for both the home lab people and for a lot of the business people like myself. The controller can be hosted in the cloud or hosted in your rack, in your cloud. It doesn't have to be at the same location as the devices, and it does not have to only talk to it over a VPN. They have an encrypted transport layer. They have ways you can set up port forwarding so you can host the controller in a place. And I'll use an example because we've uh, referred them a lot as Hostify. Hostify is one of the companies that offers a platform for hosting the controller and help manage and set it up for you. So they'll maintain the controller software. Another option is Linode. We have an offer code down below (laughs) and you can spin the controller up in Linode. When you spin it up in Linode, you can then tie all your sites together. Maybe you have just your home lab you want to manage, but maybe you also have some friends and a lot more friends, or maybe even businesses that you want to manage and you can tie a single instance of the controller to many different sites and it keeps them all separate this is really nice so you are able to take the controller and have a one-to-many relationship so you can have a single controller that controls and for our example we have all of our different managed clients in that one controller that are using the Unify equipment. And this can even be in your home lab environment. You can set it up so you manage your parents' house, your, like I said, friends and family. Um, And once you have a number of devices in that controller, let's say I've got 20 access points at this particular location, another 20 at a completely different location. Each of these are 100% individualized from each other or you can have this location split apart, but still use the same control plane for both of them. We actually have a client that has multiple locations and we can put them together like that. This allows you to set seamless Wi-Fi for the multiple locations as well. A couple different diversity options you can do there. The opposite doesn't happen. Once a group of Unify switches and access points are controlled by a controller, you cannot have another controller talking to them. It doesn't work in reverse. So there's not a way for me to have a controller at my site that manages a site and then them, that particular client, to also have a controller that manages them at the same time. They adopt to and create an encryption pair for each controller they're talking to. You can pass them to another controller so you can host it yourself. But if someone says, I'd like all this equipment migrated to another controller... We can certainly migrate it over to another controller, so these are all different uh easy way, easy ways you can set that up and do it now. This is where I will uh take the wrath and hate of people, and I did a video Should you buy a unified dream machine and it is a video I was referenced down below. The Unify routing equipment in general, I talk about the Dream Machine, the USG, USG Pro, and of course, this does include things that may be in their beta market. The up-and-coming devices that they're coming out with for routing still don't solve some real fundamental headaches with the way Unify builds routing equipment. They just have, to me, some goofy ways they've done things. They do not give you a lot of robust features for a firewall. Are they secure? Sure. They work. They will route traffic. They will not have any ports open by default. So they follow some good general guidelines there. What they don't do though is offer you a lot of diversity. And I know a lot of the people who are listening to the home lab show are going to go, but I really want a whole home VPN set up with selective routing. I need uh, this group of IPs on my network, or even this whole network, this one VLAN to automatically go and transfer over, uh, over this particular VPN. So, you know, advanced policy routing and things like that. Unify doesn't make any of that easy. And someone always likes to point out, but you can do it, Tom, it's just not documented. There's a, project I found on GitHub that allows you to sideload extra things on there and get it working, but that's not exactly the answer. I mean, maybe if you just want to hack it up and do go ahead, but for what you're paying, it seems like this should be some officially supported because the problem is once you start sideloading and modifying it, anytime there's an update, it frequently breaks or becomes incompatible with the extra things that were unofficial. So it's kind of at your own risk and some people, um, yeah, that can be a problem. I love the Unify switches and access points. I'm just not a fan of any of the USG, USG Pro, Unified Dream Machine, or Dream Machine Pro. For anyone who may have a more advanced, then I just need to route some networks and create a couple of segmentations. That's kind of my feelings on it. Do you have any other thoughts playing with it, Jay? Or?
1: Yeah, I have a few. So going back to what you said about managing families networks, I was thinking that, and you, you stole it right out of my brain because I feel like, you know, it's the thing, it's pretty much the unspoken home lab thing. Like we all, I'm not going to say all, but I'm assuming most of us, we support friends and families, computers and networks because we're the person that they go to for that kind of thing. And, um, you know, if you could, if you had, you know, family on the same system as you or a similar one, you could have one controller and just flip over to their house, fix theirs, flip back to yours, fix yours. That's really cool. Um, now, going back to the USG and things like that, I totally agree. Um, I mean, I use PFSense, which I've mentioned before. And yeah, you know, PFSense is not going to integrate like to the point where if you push out a VLAN in Unify, that VLAN is going to be on PFSense. But other than that, they really work well together because, you know, I just create the VLAN in PFSense, create the same the same one in um, Unify and everything just magically works. So Um, I don't even see myself getting away from um, PFSense because it just has so many darn features. It's just like it has everything in there, probably to a fault, like so many things I'll never need. But if I ever do need anything, it's in the interface. But since it's using standard networking um, protocols, it all just works together very well.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I want to reiterate here is you can mix and match the equipment. Unify is following standards for things like VLANs. This is well documented, so if you use a PFSense, you use OpenSense, you use Edge, you use Untangle, insert name, in. we've seen 40Gate. I'm not a big fan of SonicWall, and we have noticed SonicWall in particular, there's some type of fight. I think it's been solved with some firmware, but I'll bring it up, uh, that SonicWall, DHCP, and certain Unify access points seem to be at war with each other. Um, You can exactly assign things on there if you google sonic wall dcp unify you can spend some time in the forums typing into it but for the most part 99% of the time and pf sense being one of my big go-tos there's no issues at all mix and matching equipment on there um provided you're also using switches that are vlan aware you can even put cisco's in between matter of fact we have a lot of integrations we just did one the other day where they had a bunch of cisco gear but they wanted some of the really the newer Unify 25 gig switches because the Cisco 25 gig switches are well, substantially more expensive. So they picked up some Unify ones and it integrated into their Cisco environment. Once we matched all the VLANs, perfectly fine. So now they have 25 gig where they want it with the new Unify aggregation switch pro, and the rest of it is the same Cisco that they've always had. So no big deal. So you can absolutely mix and match and all that. That's perfectly fine. The downside is what Jay mentioned it requires a little bit more thought planning when you're using. Unify, and I define a VLAN, this is one of the things that makes Unify so easy to use. They use really simple methodologies to doing it. I don't know why Unify, to me, I think Unify is probably one of the first companies I've ever seen pull this off at the scale they have. When I want to create a VLAN, let's say I have 50 separate switches across a network. It can be one, it can be 50, but the point is I have to define a VLAN. I want to hit VLAN tag 50. I have to then assign that to all of the switches. There's other companies that have methodologies for doing this, but unfortunately they've made it a little convoluted compared to the way Unify does it. I go into the Unify system. I define the VLAN inside their dashboard. It pushes that VLAN information to all the switches right away simultaneously it provisions them and then i can go to any port on any switch and i can name that port instead of vlan 50 maybe it's my camera vlan so i'll name it camera and i can just go to the port and a little pull down menu really nice in the ui just goes through and hit a button and boom i've now assigned port 12 on switch 12 to be this and then i can go to another maybe another idf that has port 13 needs to be vlan 50 hit the little pull down on there and assign it. it they've made it really really simple to do There is no good universal standard when you look at web interfaces for configuring VLANs on switches. Um, (laughs) One of my videos I've been wanting to work on is to show like four different switch manufacturers and show how there are similarities, but each one has their own nuance for how you tag and untag ports. That's, I think, a good available thing to learn if you want to dive deeper into how VLANs is and what a tagged, untagged and trunk port is. But when it comes to Unify, they actually simplify it. They're doing that in the back end. They just put a really cool UI that you can choose a port and say all, which is Unify for the word trunk. So a trunk port is just the all setting Unify or the tagged port or isolated ports. And you can just hit pull downs and in a UI and click it. And it automatically does all the other assignment for you. This is what makes it really nice. But kind of, as Jay mentioned, you're defining all this in Unify. So if you also want these VLANs to work in, pf sense you can define them in pf sense make sure you're designing you define vlan tag 50 and pf sense and you define it in unify the one advantage you get though if you do use your unify routing equipment is it'll define it in that same interface and talk to the routing equipment as well but back to the shortcomings of the route of the, for that being an advantage i think there's more shortcomings to the unify routing equipment than that particular uh you know that particular thing there so that's, uh, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. And I seen I was waiting for this question to come up in the chat, but it's definitely something I will bring up. No, you can't use the Unify controller software to, monify, to monitor or edit the non-Unify equipment. It only works as a dashboard for Unify equipment. It does not work for the dashboard for the other miscellaneous devices that are not compatible on there. So that's definitely a, a, a very frequent question that comes up anytime I do a Unify video.
1: Yeah, never, on the excuse me. <clears throat> on the opposite end of that, it's like if you don't have the USG and you click on something in the Unify interface that um, requires that, they won't hesitate to say, "By the way, if you had the USG, this section would be active and you could actually <laughs> change things here." But until then, no, you can't have it. But they'll let you click on it and see some of the things that could be there if you did buy one, kind of almost like they're um, passively shaming you for not having one. But, um, you know, every time I, I look at a video about the USG, I just look at it as, well, it doesn't seem to have all the features that Sense has. So I just can't go that direction. But then everything else is great because I create a VLAN and Unify in the interface and then every switch, every access point, they just all update, they they get that one change. It's just it just makes things so much easier.
0: Yeah, it certainly takes a lot of the confusion out of setting up all the VLANs and the tagging across networks. And it kind of grows on you because they have some really inexpensive switches. Uh, they have the the little five port one that's PoE powered. Um That's clever. They have something that I think that one's like $30 or so, $30, $35. So if you just have one port and you're like, I need a couple more here I want to put in, no problem. If you need one of the in-wall HDs, the in-wall is rather clever. You can take a standard style RJ45 Plug style box and mount what is a four port plus Wi Fi in a single room. This is actually in my home office. So I have Wi Fi in my home office with four ports at the ready for me to plug into. And I have Wi Fi in that particular area. The anytime you're planning Wi Fi, this becomes really tricky. I don't know what's in your walls. So when I people ask me, Hey, what should I get for my house? I don't know what's in your walls, is my reply. I, I don't have an easy answer. Line of sight is always going to give you the best performance for Wi-Fi. Everything in between is, well, something in between you and a radio frequency. So there can be a little bit um, challenges in what is in your walls or whether or not that frequency passes through smoothly or degrades dramatically. So yeah, that's a little bit harder to plan but if you plan for smaller wi-fi devices such as in wall hd matter of fact i just talked to someone about doing this in a hotel they are going to put one in each room we've seen this planned out a few times in dorms and hotels where they run around a one single wi-fi device with a couple ports those ports can be trunked in VLAN, so they don't necessarily have access to the greater network and this is some great scenarios they have on there They do have 10 gig switches. They do have 25 gig switches. Now the, their unify aggregation pro I've reviewed all of these on my channel. They have industrial switches that are made for a little bit harsher environments. So there's a wide variety on there. And the nice thing is when I define or want to define different ports and VLANs on any of these, it's kind of universally the same. It's pretty much go in there. It gives me a display of all the ports. It's even got a cool mapping thing on there. Mm. Now, Back to what Jay said, they do kind of shame you, though, for not using theirs. There's a few areas that just end up blank, and one of them is the statistics. It tells you you're not going to get any of these deep analytics, but hopefully you didn't run out and buy a USG because you're missing that because you'll learn the fact that they still here in 2021 don't offer time slicing. That is a critical thing I need to know in order to make those statistics mean Anything, and that's one of the things I covered in my video. Um, whether or not you should get a Unify router is here's a cool statistic. It says, Jay, you use ten gigs worth of YouTube. And what's the next question you're going to ask is like when, right? Yep. Yeah. What when. Time it, it, since when? Since right. since it started collecting stats since the last day or two, it's really vague on how they do their time slicing. They don't let you get granular on the details of it. They give you this really cool round dashboard, little pie charts and circle charts that get everyone excited, but for people who actually need a Really good detailed, like I need to know exactly who's using bandwidth when they're doing it over time. I need some granular net flow style data. Unify just falls on his face for that. It's like, well, we got this pretty graph that probably makes some manager think it does something, and it certainly does a lot for our marketing team who can sell it, but it's not actionable intelligence, unfortunately. So, even though they're shaming you for not having it, they're also, when you do have it, you're like, oh, well, that just made the pretty graph. It didn't help me any.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help much. But, you know, if you pair it with um, something like smoke ping, you get get some pretty decent information out, out of there. Um, smoke ping doesn't care what your equipment is. Um, so it's not Unify specific. It's, it's one of the things that I recommend um, pretty much everyone check out in their home lab because it's just fun to kind of get these metrics and graphs for the various endpoints in your network, which I would favor that over Unify's um, any day of the week.
0: Yeah, there's there's better ways to get statistics on there. Um, if you play around with different tools that can collect netflow data, set up port mirrors, um, to have something else that actually does better traffic analysis. There's other ways you can get that data in a more meaningful way, uh, or even, you know, different firewalls. I've reviewed Untangle firewalls before, which by the way, work fine with Unify. I've certainly tested many of them. Um, Untangle has really cool statistics reporting and that helps out quite a bit because all the data flows through your firewall. So the firewall is a better place for it, but it actually, you need a firewall that can do really good statistics reporting. And uh, like I said, that's where the USG and the uh, Unified Dream Machine fall short. And someone already asked, what about the Unified Dream Machine? Uh, pro or whatever the next version is that's in beta no it's still got the same shortcomings actually one thing i did mention because i can't remember if this feature is out but depends on when you're listening to this one thing i didn't like at all about the way they were doing the dream machine and this has been well uh well documented and certainly uh, caused a lot of anger amongst the unified community is they decided at some point to force you to register your unified dream machine device before you activate it I greatly dislike companies that force registration of things. And by the way, it's not their other equipment. It's their, their dream machine routers that they decided to do this on. And of course, some of their video equipment. But I don't know what made them aspire to do this, but they do have a upcoming feature as they do. It, uh, is not forcing you to register with their cloud application. I don't know why they force registration. Any company that does this, feel as much as they preach to be not the lock-in company, this is one of the other reasons I'm very critical of some of their routing equipment. And uh, I don't know, how do you feel about companies that force you to activate, to turn on?
1: I don't like that at all. Um, I mean, I I also have some reservations about having to use their controller. And I think a lot of people have that problem too, but I'm willing, I mean, it's so useful and it works so well that, um, you know, I'm okay with it in this case. But I feel like when you go to that, Extent, then that's just uh, going a bit too far.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a weird. So it when you get like a unified Dream Machine router, it it isn't just a router. The unified Dream Machine is cool because I mean I'll say this is a neat feature. You get the option to run Protect on it. You get the option to also run the controller on it and your routing function. So it becomes a very nice all in one place where everything is. And the controller is living on the system there, but the forced registration is just. To me, unnecessary, and it's so they can gather who activated them and things like that. But of course, once you start talking forest registration, you're also talking about the a company, if they ever decide to turn off those activation servers, then it doesn't right. activate anymore. And then your product can never be set up again. So, some of those little things like that are annoyances, but this does not affect the Unify controller software itself. You can download this, it does not require a registration to download. The download link is open and free. You can even set this up. I do prefer running the controller in Linux. You can set this up as a repository. So, when you apt get update, it will apt get pull the newer versions of the controller. Hold off on that because uh, just because they release a new controller today, it is up to you, you home lab enthusiasts, whether or not you want to be the people are running the bleeding edge. I'm always fine running a bleeding edge, I, but I get a lot of people that comment, "Can you let me know if it's okay to run the bleeding edge?" Because some updates go really smooth, like I think the last one went really well. But a couple updates ago, um, well, they had an update, and a week later they had an update, and a week later they had an update, and each one were incremental things kind of those whoops we forgot something whoops we didn't realize too many people had these uh use cases so sometimes things can go a little bit um dicey when there's major version upgrades but other other than not having a controller auto update it's uh it's been the last couple versions they seem to have gotten a little bit better on their qa on on some of that i don't think you ever experienced any of that jay did you You did have any controller update issues
1: um Yes, I did, but not anymore. So uh, what was the name of that original controller they had before, like the Dream Machine and all that? Oh, the Cloud Key? Yeah, that. I had problems with that where, um, you know, for those that don't know, first of all, the Cloud Key was a completely optional device that you could purchase if you didn't want to run a VM for the controller software or run it on your laptop and you wanted a dedicated place to to do it. I I like putting it on a virtual machine because the controller software being on a virtual machine means your VM software hopefully has snapshots set up on top of the backups the controller itself has. So you have a lot of um, wiggle room to go back, but that, when I was using that cloud key, it would just like every month lose everything. It just would stop working and I'd have to redo it. And I never understood why. And other people had that problem too. Um, I have um, their newest generation cloud key, and I've never had an issue with it um, ever since, for probably over a year now. And um, I think around that same time period, my son came to me and told me that his uh, PS4 wouldn't connect to the, you know, the Wi-Fi anymore. And I kept trying and trying. And okay, everything else in the house works. This this one doesn't. I gave him a power line adapter as a temporary fix. And then two months later, he tells me, "Yeah, the Wi-Fi is working again." And I look at Unify, and it updated. Oh, the firmware updated. It had something wrong with the PS Four, but you know, those were those issues were quite a while ago. I think, like you were saying, the QA has gone up, and I've not had any problems lately. So, uh, you know, they they must be doing something right now compared to back then.
0: Yeah. The. The controller software um, that they were running on the original Cloud Key, not the Cloud Key Gen 2s, was really, I don't think the hardware was really up to the task. It quickly hmm. became a problem. Uh, it had heating issues. It didn't like being in warm environments. And I, I said warm, not hot. So uh, it, it definitely, um, we didn't really install that many of them, but we did a lot of consulting where people, had problems with them and we always went for hosting them ourselves. So we kind of avoided all that self-hosting the controller is probably to be the best thing to do the second best thing is to run it on one of the cloud key gen 2 so cloud key gen 2 is a lot more stable of a product but um self-hosting it yourself just kind of i don't know i like hosting things myself i think most of uh the audience is nodding in agreement yeah i just want to host the controller i want to maintain it and what we do before we do the uh, updates is i of course like it's a virtual machine so i snapshot it run the controller update see if the controller update didn't break and if it uh, looks good. I will slowly turn it on by filtering by IPs or even usually we test with our local equipment first instead of our external client equipment because we have our equipment in the same controller. I'll see if any of our equipment has a problem after the configuration updates. If it works good, then we can just go ahead and open it up back to our clients and start going forward um i like being able to do this because that way i can just roll it backwards roll it forwards and set it up they also do have and i highly recommend doing this they have some auto backup options to create file backups on the local controller itself and then you can use whatever scripting you want to get those files backed up somewhere else along with doing full virtual machine backups of it so to me the self-hosting in your own dedicated vm it doesn't take a ton of resources it does scale a little bit up when you start talking about having three or four hundred um devices access points and switches on there but it's still not using that much memory it's i don't know i think we probably have eight or 12 gigs of ram assigned to ours actually i should look real quick um it's not not substantial is what i would say what is in mind right now oh, i do have uh just because I have a lot of memory. I've got 16 gigs assigned to it. It's using 11 gigs and we're hosting, I think um, 60 something different clients, separate sites inside the controller. So wow. and a multitude of uh, devices and connections, it just doesn't, it all depends on quantity of devices, but as it scales up, you put a little more memory to it and it works. It works really well. Yep. All right. Now, alternatives is one of the other things I thought I'd mention here. So I've, I've, you know, waxed on about whole Unify, but as I said, I'm not trying to evangelize it. I'm so critical of the routers. I think it's still a nice platform uh, to get started on, but what about, uh, what's that company called uh, TP link and their Omada system, TP link Omada. I did a review on it. I think TP link Omada is interesting. They basically just, Copy-pasted Unify. I mean, like, I was actually shocked how much. Like, it, it, someone just copied all the features of Unify pretty much and just pasted them into the Unif- in the in Omada controller. It is one of the uh, hardcore rip-offs I've ever seen, except they copied the same problems with the routing equipment. This is just weird to me that they did this. Um, I'm just... A little confused by it. I also don't have the same level of confidence that TP-Link Omada, if you're going to just copy paste with no innovation and not even fix anything, what's your real commitment overall to the product line? TP-Link doesn't have as much variety of product. I don't see them innovating as much on that. They seem to make stuff that people that people are happy with. If you want to run the TP-Link Omada, feel free. Their documentation was well not great i commented that in my review so i did review it and i tested it and it seemed to route it seemed to function um my review is positive in terms of its functionality i don't know about its long term also the way they host the controller uh, a lot more confusing on some of the setup and way less documentation on that that took a lot of poking through and just figuring out how much they made it look like unify so I'm not completely sold on a TP-Link Omada, but I think for small setups, it works fine. I'm not, I not—I couldn't find anyone that told me that they had a huge setup, or at least not a lot of the business owners. I mean, oh, yeah, we deployed 300 of these at a site, so I don't know about the scalability of it. But it's out there, and you know they, they make some equipment on it. Um, a few other companies, Mikrotik. Obviously, Mikrotik, I've reviewed their small 10-gig device, hands down. You can't touch it for the price. Actually, that's true for a lot of the maker tick stuff. The downside is, and this joke has been reiterated many times in the forums. Oh, we just call it Latvian logic. This is the weird way you do things. You will end up with some strange commands that you may have to type to get something to work in there. You'll not even be sure what they do. You'll find them repeated in several forums. and You're like, I don't know. I copy paste this and it gets it working. There's some quirkiness to it. Uh, there's a learning curve that's much, much steeper for the Microtech. doesn't mean it's a bad product. It means you have to deal with a steeper learning curve to get something done. So it's still not a terrible choice. They seem to make a reasonably reliable piece of equipment out there. Um, I've never really tested their Wi-Fi. I've heard mixed things. I've heard people tell me it's awesome. I've heard people tell me it's terrible. I've never really dove much into their Wi-Fi. So Microtech seems to be mostly limited to the switch. I do know some larger WISP companies we've talked to, the wireless internet search providers that really like the Mikrotik stuff. Um, and Serve the Home has done quite a few videos on it as well. They, they seem to be reviewed overall positively. Uh, we haven't really run into many problems when we see it in the field. We'll, we'll see it as some type of maybe core controller. We even have one client that's got some Mikrotik stuff mixed with some Unify stuff and everything seems to work perfectly fine. So I don't think they're a terrible alternative out there. Oh, what else? I'm looking at a few other people. The comments they have. Oh, Ingenious. You know, Ingenious has been working on some cloud controller stuff. I don't really know where they are with that. It's been a while since I dug into it. Uh, Their cloud controller type stuff was not great. I've seen a lot of other companies try to tell me they're working on cloud controllers, but I I haven't really got, besides TP-Link Omada. I've never really stopped and dove into and tested it. I have tested, for example, Aruba, which once again is owned by HP and offers the free cloud controller. And back to... Free is still running somewhere until it's not. Now, Aruba, a lot of their devices at least have the advantage of being able to be locally managed. Matter of fact, one thing I will say, and this is something I commented on my Aruba review, it's better to manage them locally because the interface, even now today for Aruba, is less than wonderful for their web interface and not very full of features. Pretty much have any advanced features. You have to go back and log in and switch it from cloud management to local management to get the features you're looking for. So at least it has it. Um, and Aruba just suffered a big breach. So that's also something to keep in mind. Uh, that obviously caused some drama if the cloud system externally gets breached. And now you have one more thing on your liabilities plate of externally hosted controllers that now you have to do a disclosure of what was breached. So yeah, I haven't dug into the details of it, but here in November of 2021, I know that was announced. Uh, does Unify Talk Ansible? I've seen that in the comments here. No. Um, you can't really, that I'm aware of... I've not really dove into or if there's any way to do, um, scaled infrastructure changes by their interface that way. Um, like where you send either API commands or anything like that, you could get into the unified config and change it on individual devices, but the controller rewrites that config each time and it's building a config out of the database that runs on the controller. So I don't think there's any easy way to issue commands, at least that I'm aware of. Um, other than using the unified controller. And I've had people tell me they want to reinvent the unified controller in Ansible, And I'm like, why? <laughs> it already exists. And if you're going to take the time to use something like Ansible and decide to script all of your switch configs, that's fine. Probably go with something else. Use a Cisco, use a Mikrotik, something that's designed to have you SSH in and manage all the configurations from a command line uh, to activate them. That's something... That if you're gonna go through all that trouble, why go with Unify at that point? You're not right. gonna bother using a pretty interface, you're just gonna start scripting it. I, I then unify is maybe not the best choice for that.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I see a, a benefit because you could, I mean, you it's not like you're provisioning and reprovisioning to the point where you're, you know, having a high device turnaround where Ansible is gonna help. It's like you get everything the way you want it, you back up the config, worst case scenario, you just reimport the config again. And um, that'll just be a lot easier than creating a playbook in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've seen people have um, configs, but they that they'll push for switches out in the field. You know, you get a backup of the config, but, you know, switches provided life goes well. They don't fail too often. Even my friends who work at companies that manage like a thousand, two thousand plus switches for, you know, across their environment. It's not like there's a failure every day. They make sure they have all those switches and each one of those individual switches backed up. And you can do this in Unify in a really easy way. Because if the Unify switch fails, you can copy the config to the new switch you're bringing in. So all those port assignments and everything else can be assigned to the switch you replace it with. They have methodologies to do that in Unify. And that's actually done through a UI. You don't have to do it from the command line and actually push config files. So there's some relatively easy ways to do it.
1: Yep.
0: But I think that pretty much covers it. I see... um, uh, people mentioning the ubiquity edge equipment can be done in Ansible. Well, yeah, the the ubiquity go back to the edge equipment. You can SSH in; those are CLI managed uh, or capable of CLI management. And yeah, you can cer- certainly do all kinds of configurations uh, and changes, both their switches and the edge routers. Now, the edge routers um, I mentioned, like untangle PF Sense, being two really popular ones. I like the edge routers. Not a big fan of them, back for the same reasons of the Unify routers. There's they're just not extensive features. They're they're not terrible. They have more features than the Unify, but they're also, um, well, very command line driven to get things done, sometimes to a fault where you have to do more than you probably should through a command line instead of through a documented interface. So yeah, and the same thing with the policy routing and VPN, way overly complicated or not possible. Um, Other than yes, some GitHub project allows you to sideload extra things onto your edge router, but back to not really support it. So ah. Uh, Hopefully this gave you a little bit of an idea of some of the Unify stuff. What do you think, Jay?
1: I think so. And there's so many features to talk about that I just don't think we could ever get through them all. Um, I mean, one thing I I will mention real quick is I I like having the ability to throttle uh, different networks so uh, I don't have to worry about my my kids stealing all my megabits, basically. Just limit them to like 50 or whatever um, for their online games and then um, limit per device to 80 or a hundred or something like that. So I don't have to worry about one device that's totally saturating everything. Um, and there's so many more features that again, we won't have time to talk about all of them, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool system. It's not for everybody, but you know, it works very well for me. So I'm, I'm satisfied with it. And if nothing else is something to look into.
0: Yeah uh two little things if you get some of these uh like unified Dream machine i believe now supports the unify um, door access i'm not sold on the door access system i've reviewed it um i don't think unify liked my review of it uh, i know a few people have called out whether or not they've been safety certified so whether or not they've there's some validation when you start getting into door access controls there are at least here in the united states some safety uh protocols will be followed i am Fuzzy on where Unify stands on some of that, based on what I've talked to people that work in that industry. Um, and the Unify, they do have a talk product, as in a VoIP product. They had a VoIP product before that was abandoned because it was so bad. I'm less than clear on um, their strategy on um, to go to market with a new one. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. enough to sell um, that to any clients, so not on my to do list to test it. I'll wait and see if it becomes a popular product but we don't really see a big demand for it. I don't have the utmost faith in there. I really stick to their access points and switches. That's their bread and butter. That's what they sell the most of that stuff is solid. Well-proven technology that they keep making more of. And I think they don't want to be a one trick pony. So they dive into other areas and maybe
1: good or bad. They dive into other areas. (laughs) Yeah. Unify cloud gaming console coming soon.
0: (laughs) Well, they had for a little while, um, they meant they had, what do you call that? Um, the little life cam. Because if you look at the door access and you look up, I think it was called like the life cam. You, there's some digging. And I think I referenced it when I did the video. Um, they actually reused. They had some other idea to create these cameras you hung around your neck, like action cameras. <laughs> so Unify actually dove into a lot of different things. It, it hmm. Things are very profitable on their main core product that that's allowed them the latitude to go over and start learn trying other things i don't blame companies for trying things hey why not it's interesting maybe maybe they have a product that comes
1: out of it um maybe they waste a lot of money (laughs) they're unify like smart plugs and smart bulbs yet
0: Uh, Yeah, they actually, I I think they abandoned it, but they were in the solar lighting business. Um, They were Hmm. in the light business as well. Some type of light controllers. I've never really played or looked into it. I don't know if it's still a supported product or not. I I can't answer that, honestly. So,
1: (laughs) I'm thinking that if not, like, I'm just so surprised that they don't have a whole unified line of smart plugs and all the things because it's like they're doing everything else. So, I
0: think they do have, unofficially in beta, some stuff that they're working on um they do have what they call a beta store. you're not supposed to review or talk about it but if you check their beta store they got stuff anyone can check it you just check a box that agrees not to review it so yeah Mm um uh it is what it is i do have reviews of many of the switches i've talked about i've done a review of Mikrotik. i've done a review of Mikrotik switch os i've done a review of tp link omada i've done lots of reviews of unify and all the firewalls i mentioned so uh you search my channel you'll find all of that stuff on my youtube channel there's a wide variety of things on there like i said i'm i'm not evangelizing them i think they're a good choice i think they're a solid choice for people that want to manage things very easily and if you you know want to be able to learn VLANs in a more detailed way, Unify kind of obscures that from you. But the other side is Unify obscures that from you. So you don't have to learn VLANs in a very detailed way with right. to assign port assignments because maybe you just want to get to work. <laughs> and so there's good and bad with it. But overall, I, uh, I think it's a pretty cool product. And uh, I still recommend it. We still buy them. We still use them. We still deploy them. So <laughs> yep, I just want to make sure we laid it all out there for you. So, all right. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yeah. Obviously, you can figure out where to find I seen someone say, Where do you get the EA store? Uh, just Google that and Google early access unifying, you'll land on it. All right, thanks.